Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have something you'd like our team to pray for in you or your family's life, we encourage you to let us know by visiting thevillagechapel.com prayer. Our team would love the opportunity to bring your requests to the Lord. We're glad you joined us this week as we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Pastor Jim. So have you ever felt like somebody was complimenting you to get something out of you? It happens all the time when you walk into a retail store, for instance, and the uh, the salespeople come up to you. Hey, you look really good. Hey, how are you doing? And they're sort of building a bridge. And I get it. it you know, they're just doing their jobs. But um, if you've ever had someone who seemed to have an ulterior motive behind their false flattery, um, you'll know exactly how Jesus felt in Mark chapter 12. Uh, verses 13 through 17 that I like to focus in on today. Catch this. This is really amazing. Uh, The religious leaders, here's what's happening. They sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. Now, you've got to know this is uh, at best an unholy alliance. I mean, the Pharisees are the rule followers, the, you know, the real strict you know, religious leaders. The Herodians, on the other hand, they're friendly with Rome. Herod, King Herod, was uh, Rome's appointee, if you will. The, the, you know, the 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 Herodian dynasty is just riddled with all these personalities. But they're all in service to Rome and the Roman Empire. And so, uh, the Jews that were friendly toward Herod, uh, any of the King Herods. Herod the Great, Herod Antipas at this particular time, Herod Antipas, um, they would be called Herodians. And they might be seen by some of their own people, the Jews, uh, as a bit traitor, you know, like, like a traitor or something like that. But they're together now with the Pharisees because they have a common enemy, and that's Jesus. And they are coming now in order to trap him in a statement, Mark says here in what we call Mark 12, verse 13. And I, oh, by the way, don't miss the first few words too, though. They sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians. You know, you could just see, you know, before they sent them, the, uh, you could just see in some room somewhere, some back room, there's a whole bunch of them. And they, they sort of hand select these really smart guys who've come up with a cool idea that they think is going to work to entrap Jesus and say, all right, you go, you and, all right, I'll tell you what, you three Herodians and you two Pharisees or whatever. And it's, it's man, it's, it's an amazing thing to think about how that's all being manipulated and, and what's going on behind the scenes. Well, they came, verse 14, they came and they said to Jesus, teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one for you are not partial to any. But teach the way of God in truth. There's your false flattery. It's just, you know, just lathered on, you know, just you're the, we know you're impartial. We know you always speak what's true and all that. When you, when what we know from Mark 12 verse 13 is that these guys are hypocrites of the worst kind. They're presenting one way, but they have a complete ulterior motive, which is to entrap Jesus. And so this false 
flattery is just lathered all over Jesus. And they get to their question, which they think is really going to be the winner for them. (laughs) We know that you tell the truth. We know you're not partial to any. You teach the way of God and truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? Remember, Roman Empire is an occupying force and uh, they are lots of heavy taxation at the time. And so here it is, Passover week. Here, all these Jews have come for the feast. Um, There's a lot of money changing going on as people are buying um, animals for sacrifice and that sort of thing, lots of buying food. And there's this great deal of commerce going on when there's a lot of people. But there's also some taxation going on. And what they want to bring up now to try and trap Jesus is, as a Jewish person, um, do you, as a rabbi, do you endorse all of the Jewish people having to pay this poll tax to Caesar or not? You know, so, you know, if you say, no, you shouldn't pay it, that's terrible. You know, you, you might you might win the people, but then these leaders can entrap you in some way and go to the Roman authorities and, and say that you're stirring a bunch of trouble. And if there's anything that the Roman authorities wanted to do, it's to, to, to squash any kind of uprising and to keep the tribute money flowing to Rome. So the Pax Romana, the, the, the peace of Rome, keep the peace and keep the money flowing to Rome. That's Pilate, Pontius Pilate, that's, that's his first and second goal right there. And so these, these Jewish authorities, they're, they're kind of clever in this, but you're not gonna, they're not gonna best Jesus. Watch what he does here. Um, so their question ended in verse 15, shall we pay it or shall we not pay it? Meaning, shall we Jews pay this poll tax or not to Caesar? But he, Jesus, uh, that is, knowing their hypocrisy, a word that means they're, they're faking it, they're acting, uh, they're not really being truthful themselves. They're the opposite of what they're lathering him with flattery uh, for, that he's truthful, that he's, he doesn't defer to anyone, and that he's always telling the truth, all that. So they're the opposite of that themselves. And he, knowing that, said to them, um, why are you testing me? I love that. Mm. They, they withdraw. Just I can see them demure a little bit because he's seen through their facade, their hypocrisy. And then he says, bring me a denarius to look at. This would have been uh, a Roman coin. And so he wants them to bring a coin that has the, you know, uh, the the Roman symbols, Roman coinage, okay? And some Jews, see, you have to understand, they wouldn't even touch a coin like this. Some of them trying, the Pharisees especially, trying to remain uh, religious rule followers, trying to remain pure, you know? And, and and they might not even touch a coin that had, you know, the, the head of Caesar on it, that sort of thing. So they brought one to him, though, this group of... Uh, Probably the Herodians carrying it, it would be my guess. They brought one to him, and here's what Jesus said. He said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? I imagine he's holding that coin up and and you know and, and just presenting it right before their eyes. Whose likeness and inscription is this? And then they said to him, Caesar's. 
And Jesus said to them, this is verse 17, the last verse I want to read for today. And Jesus said to them, and you're familiar with this phrase, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And here's how Mark closes this little section of scripture out. And they were amazed at him. Wow. Okay. All right. That's... There's, so, there's really a lot here. We could, we could, we could dwell on this for quite a while, but um, let, let me take a real big view and then we'll kind of zero in on some of this, all right? As followers of Jesus uh, who live in this world, we have a kind of a, a dual citizenship, if you will. Uh, we were born first into this world and then we were born again if we're a follower of Jesus. Uh, and I'm just using the terminology of Jesus from John chapter 3 there. Uh, we were adopted into the family of God to become members of the kingdom of God. God the Father delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus. We entered the kingdom of God with Jesus as our ultimate king. And uh, these are some of the ways in which we might describe our dual citizenship. We're in but not of the world. as uh, another way to say it. You may have heard it said that way. But here's something interesting to note. The more you study the Bible, to understand what it means to be a good citizen of the kingdom of God, the more you begin to realize that being a good and faithful citizen of the kingdom of God will result in you being a good and faithful citizen of the kingdom of this world as well. Now, there will certainly come times and um, uh, sort of intersections where you have to go another way. Uh, because the kingdom of this world is ruled um, in ways that are contrary uh, often to the ways of God or the wisdom of God. Uh, but generally speaking, to be a good citizen in the kingdom of God does end up uh, changing us, transferring us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and begins to uh, change the way we view ourselves and our neighbor, for instance. And so all of a sudden we become a better neighbor because we're good citizens of the kingdom of God and we know that the, that the Lord would want us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors, even our neighbors that don't agree with us, even our neighbors that don't look like us, don't live like us, and, and don't even believe in God. He still wants us to love our neighbors, to love the city and bless the city that we live in, wherever we may happen to live. And if it's not a city, if it's just a village or a town or whatever it might be. But here's what Jesus said here that I think is so interesting. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Um, this is one of those times, I think, where it becomes really important for us to define and agree upon our terms, lest we misinterpret and misapply these very simple but profound words of Jesus. All right, let's, let's just think for a second. Let me challenge you a little bit. And, and maybe, you know, if you want to write some stuff in the comments, uh, I think that'd be awesome. What things actually belong to Caesar? 
and Caesar might reprimand, uh, represent here uh, all of humankind or this world system, if you want to. Caesar obviously being the, uh, uh, at that time, the uh, leader of the Roman Empire, the head, uh, federal head of the uh, Roman Empire. So uh, what things actually belong? Jesus has rendered to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. What belongs to Caesar or to uh, humankind? Now, and then another thing, uh, another term that would be important, I think, to be thinking about is what does it mean to render? Um, that's that's a you know that's one of those words we don't use very often. Matter, matter of fact, be a good uh, exercise today to try to find ways to use the word render from time to time. <laughs> uh, what things should we render to humanity or humankind or to the world system in which we live? Um, is it our things, our, our stuff? Is that all it is? Or does it include our body? Do we render our, our body to this world system? Um, what about our mind, our, our thoughts? We, uh, the minute we pick up a device and begin to look at that device, messages are coming at us. And we are, in a sense, rendering our mind, our, our, our heart, our uh, all, I mean, there's so many aspects of the human person to the human person. And when we open our self up to, it's another kind of way of rendering, isn't it? Um, our mind, our thoughts, our soul, uh, the seat of our desires, our, uh, the seat of our emotions is our soul and our heart, if you will. Um, and what about our moral conscience? Are we rendering our moral conscience to the messages that are very subtly woven into the narratives of the, the entertainment industry, be that music or movies or uh, a TV series or cable series, whatever it might be, or the news uh, that we, that we that, you know, the news networks that we choose to listen to and just leave, some, some people just leave that on uh, all day long in their house. You're rendering yourself uh, to those kinds of systems. So how do we do that almost every day in so many ways? Good question for us to think, out, think about from this passage. And then, oh man, after we get that sort of start, start thinking about all of that, then with the real question, what should we render to God? Yeah. What belongs to God? And yeah, the minute I start thinking about that, I I mean, my answer to that question is everything. Uh, Jesus was okay with paying his taxes, even if the coin itself was made from elements that ultimately <clears throat> belong to the creator of the universe. And from John chapter one, we know that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And this word that John is talking about there is actually Jesus, that he's uh, what what John's declaring there in John chapter one is that Jesus was present at the creation event. So God the Father, God the Son, and Genesis one two tells us the Spirit was there as well. So the entire Trinitarian God, um, the Godhead, was they were all there at the creation event. So what belongs to Jesus? Literally everything by right of creation. And so Jesus is okay, he says here, rendered, it's got Caesar's head on it, his inscription on it, that coin, 
eh, give to Caesar what Caesar thinks he owns and what you think he owns and render to God the things that belong to God. I, I would argue out of that teaching of Jesus there and that that interaction of Jesus that we really walk away with everything belongs to Jesus and uh, some of it gets, you know, uh, borrowed and rearranged and uh, put in use in some way by human beings along the way. But we're all ultimately, uh, literally everything <laughs> belongs to Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Um, uh, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? See, this is really amazing, isn't it? Uh, for you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Mm. There's a young singer-songwriter here in Nashville named Sky Peterson. And uh, not too long ago, she penned a, a song along with uh, um, our own Keith and Kristen Getty. I say our, the Village Chapel. Uh, has, And that song's been published and recorded and released through Getty Music. And I highly recommend you go visit their website and listen to this song, uh, I Am Not My Own. Um, here's a, let, me, let me just read the first couple of verses of the cor- and the chorus. Um, the song says, The one who made the heavens made my heart and soul. Before I drew a breath, I was loved and known. I am his creation, the maker's masterpiece, and all that he designs will be done in me. My body is a temple of the living God. I'll worship in this house that his blood has bought. As I bear his image, oh, may I not profane the holiness I hold in this earthly frame. And then the chorus is, I belong to the Lord. Oh, I am not my own. I belong to the Lord. I am not my own. I will honor him for this I know. I belong to the Lord. I am not my own. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God." Um, one of my favorite books over the last uh, year and a half or so is, uh, uh, it's got kind of a nerdy title, but Christopher Watkin, I'll start there. He's the author. He's an Australian um, professor and author. Um, the book title is Biblical Critical Theory. I like the subtitle better, How the Bible's Unfolding Story Makes Sense of Modern Life and Culture. And uh, it's a great book. And here's a quote from it. I'll put this in the show notes for you if you uh, happen to have access to those, okay? Either God is God and I am not, in which case his judgment is to be trusted over mine, or else God is not God, in which case there is no reliable way of satisfactorily arbitrating at all between what is reasonable and what is not. And I think, uh, I think, I think Jesus in that interaction with those religious leaders, those Pharisees and Herodians, takes it up to that kind of level again. Uh, Is God God or is Caesar God? Does everything belong to Caesar or does everything belong to God? Um, And if we prioritize, I would make the argument, and I think Jesus would too, I would make the argument that if I render unto God the things that belong to God, 
being a then becoming a good citizen, a good subject in his kingdom, will make me a better subject in the kingdom of this world. John Stott, uh, I'll close with this thought from him. I wonder if anything is more urgent today for the honor of Christ and for the spread of the gospel than what the church should be and should be seen to be, what by God's purpose and Christ's achievement it already is, a new single, a single new humanity, a model of human community, a family of reconciled brothers and sisters who love their father and love each other, hmm. the evident dwelling place of God by his spirit. Only then will the world believe in Christ as peacemaker. Only then will God receive the glory due his name. That's so true. That's from Stott's uh, commentary on the the book of Ephesians, actually. Uh, For the honor of Christ, uh, for the spread of the gospel, that the church would be what it ought to be, and that single new humanity model of human community. Oh, I, I could just read it over and over again. I love this one so much. Um, uh, we want our behavior and the way that we think about not only ourselves, I'm not my own, I belong to the Lord. We want that kind of thinking, that kind of freedom that we have, receiving our identity from God as opposed to feeling the burden that we have to come up with our identity, that somehow or another, the the load, the burden is on us, you know, to recreate or reinvent or to to find some way of validating ourselves. No, I don't have to do that at all. Uh, I seek validation from the only lips that matter, the one who made me the Lord himself. And he says, I belong to him. And that's the highest level of validation I could possibly ever seek. Uh, Let me pray for us today, Lord. Thank you for this passage, Uh, short and sweet though it is, quite punchy. Um, The way, Lord, that you got us thinking there, what belongs to you, what we should render to you and what does it mean to render to you? Lord, I pray that that would uh, fill our our thoughts uh, this day um, in every encounter, every uh, interaction with others, uh, the work that we do, the play that we do, the recreation that we engage in, Lord. May it all serve to glorify you, Lord Jesus, and may it all uh, express uh, the love, grace, mercy, kindness, that you have displayed to us in the gospel of Jesus. We pray in his beautiful name, amen and amen. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.